What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Faith, Fitness, and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood. I want to warmly welcome you back to the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is and always has been simple, to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post-workout, late-night meals. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Skull Smash Ammonia, Raw Grip Chalk, Croqueta Strength, and Primate Apparel for their consistent support and encouragement of myself and the podcast. The best hard-hitting ammonia in the game comes straight from Steve at Skull Smash. Some of the best liquid and powdered chalk in the game comes straight from Jonathan at Raw Grip. Use that code BIGMOPOWER to save some money. And if you're looking for no BS training and a team that's going to stand by you through all the ups and downs, hit a DM over to The Croqueta Strength on Instagram and save money when you bring up the podcast to them uh, from Spotify. And last but not least, we are humble, but we are savage. Primate Apparel's mentality of sticking to your guns and standing up to those who would do you ill is a vital part of mine and so many other athletes' training. You use the code Faith and Fitness over on their Instagram page to save some money as well. This evening, I have the pleasure of seeing now an old friend, Alex Usler, uh, old general manager of Hybrid Performance Method, a powerlifter, an entrepreneur, a lover of all things Cuban bakery. I am so excited because this is also the launch of video for Faith Fitness and French Toast. So if right now you want to be able to see what's going on as well as listen, you can head over to YouTube, Faith Fitness and French Toast by Moses Allwood, uh, and you can subscribe and check out the video itself. But other than that, please sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Alex, welcome to the show, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Life is uh, life is good. Life is crazy. Ups and downs, everything in between. But we're out here, man. Yeah. You have had a hell of a last month. We had the hybrid showdown last weekend, seeing Dan Bell totaling 2606 and John Hack being a freak as he always is to you moving on from hybrid. You're starting companies. I mean, how are you feeling? You've got to be kind of feeling like there's just been a lot going on. I'm good. I'm I'm feeling good, man. It's, it's been, it's been a much more than a stressful last month. This has kind of been, this decision has been kind of weighing with me. I want to say since about November, more or less, it's always been something kind of in the back of my mind being a, you know, an entrepreneur by nature and being, you know, very much a go-getter. It's always been hard for me, you know, being in certain stages of my life, professionally at the previous gym I worked at, starting with a small role in hybrid and expanding. I'm someone who always wants to be able to do more, and I get a lot of satisfaction out of the things that I do. So it's been a natural kind of evolution leading towards this. But ever since November, when this decision's kind of, you know, been on my mind and I've been uncertain and I've been back and forth and I've been very scared. You know, it's a very scary thing leaving a lot of financial security and a very large established company, you know, where I had a, a pretty secure future to kind of dive off into the unknown. And uh, that that's kind of where I'm at right now. You know, I, I officially made the decision, I'd say, um, you know, after weighing it back and forth, you know, unsure. No one really saw it coming at all, honestly. And as I really thought, you know, on, on February 1st is when I kind of sat down and I you know, I decided to give my resignation and decide that February was going to be my last month. So the showdown was going to be my last shebang with hybrid. And it's time to to make a name for myself, you know? 
Yeah. And, and I mean, for, for those who are watching or, or listening, uh, if you're listening to the show right now, uh, this is also up on YouTube as well. So if you want to watch both our ugly mugs this whole time as well, you can switch over to that. But uh, for those that don't know, I mean, Alex and I have known each other for a while. Uh, hybrid was how I started powerlifting. And he's seen me since I was a very small bleach blonde hair kid wandering around the Arnold. So you, you've had quite a journey. I'm 99% sure. When I started working for Hybrid, I'm pretty sure you were already a member. So yes. you were Hybrid longer than I was. Yeah. Yes, I, I was. And, and, it, and it's surreal to look back and realize, you know, back when it was, you know, at the old facility and I feel like the team was completely different, you know, and we were just testing out before yeah. the app was even a thing. And so it's been wild seeing what you've been able to develop uh, alongside um, Hayden and the rest of the squad, uh, but even more so what you've got coming up. So before we jump into the exciting things about Cold Mind Apparel and, and Team Usler and everything else coming up, I don't want to spend too much time on history because I'm sure everybody's heard the classic story, but how in the world did you get involved uh, to even want to become this big of a name in powerlifting in the first place? I mean, it, it all, I talked about this in a podcast I did recently, it was all kind of an organic evolution, to be honest, you know. I, as a kid, everyone knows my whole long story, but, you know, I went from doing drugs and selling drugs into fitness practically overnight, you know, and, uh, I knew from right when I stepped into that CrossFit gym and started doing it and I got helped from that, I knew that I wanted to help people in some kind of way, you mm -hmm. know, and, um, that's where fitness kind of gave me that, that pathway to be able to do it. And, you know, never did I ever think that I was going to be a big name, you know, but like I said, I was never let myself get complacent with where I was at, you know, mm -hmm. working in a small gym, having 300 followers on Instagram, just the people who I actually knew in my life and following people like Dan Green and, and you know, Brandon Lilly and all these people who I used to idolize and look up to, you know, never did I ever think that I'd get to the point where they'd be my friends and I'd have their phone number. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah. Um, I met, that was never in my plans, but staying complacent and, uh, and not growing, uh, was also never in my plans. You know, I'd, I'd never allow myself to be like that. I'd see people around me like that all the time. And I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm just not that kind of person. And that's how, you know, a natural born evolution and, and, you know, people seeing, you know, my, my initiative, got me connected, you know, with hybrid. I had known Stephanie Hayden. They worked out at my old gym. And when they decided to open the facility in Miami, you know, they knew I was just, I was very ambitious and I was a hard worker and I was just, you know, coaching classes all day. And they're like, Hey, come manage something, you know, be a manager instead of just a coach. You could still be a coach on your own time, but they put me in a position of authority, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, just ultimately, like what I, uh, what I say is it's like, I was, I was extremely lucky. I was extremely lucky because that opened up so many doors for me, you know, uh, getting to be involved with them and knowing them. And I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing right now if it wasn't for that step in my life, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you, you went on to get to have a bench session with Conor McGregor and host these huge meets, you know, the hybrid showdown. I mean, it, it's been wild. It has been a wild journey. And you even posted yeah. something recently, you know, that you're, you know, nine years sober. So first off, that's huge. Like, I'm so pumped for you on that. And you, even as you were talking Thank about you, that, you're man. like, I never would have thought that me, 16 year old, you know, I'm there, I got the big gauges going in and, and you're like, man, that I was going to end up, you know, being sponsored by certified Piedmontese and running one of the biggest gyms in powerlifting industry. But 
here you are. And even just today of seeing a cold mind apparel and team useler both broken a thousand followers in like less than a week. I mean, that there's a, there's a serious base that's supporting what you're doing and that's gotta just be a great feeling in and of itself. It's exciting, man, because, you know, I have, I had a lot of people on my team and a lot of people rooting for me to, you know, make this decision. But then of course, you know, there's, there's a fear aspect of things, you know, on my wife being a little concerned. She's like, I mean, come on, like, are, are you being greedy? Like mm-hmm. you, you want more, 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 more. And it's like the more we talk through it and it's like, it, it, it's not greed. It's just drive. It's just endless drive and, you know, not being able to be complacent with where I'm at. Cause a lot of people would look at me and, you know, they'd be like, oh, well, you have everything. And like, why do you need to change anything? It's because I just know that I can, I can accomplish more and continue to build more. And I'm super, super excited to be able to start doing that, you know? Yeah. Well, so last weekend we had the hybrid showdown, uh, huge turnout. This was the third one. Uh, and in that you've seen meets run, you've been, you know, in the judging, the coaching, the, the management of all that. And kind of in the background, we've kind of got Garrett fear kind of creating meets and figuring stuff out in the midst of the USAPL, apparently crashing and burning. What in the world is going on with competitions right now? And what, what is it looking like moving forward that we can move into? Well, all I know is it freaking blows that, you know, Nationals is playing out how it's playing out because I coached two of the uh, two of the best. Uh, one of my athletes, Gavin, he's going to be contention to potentially he should podium as a 93. He'll win Junior Worlds as a 93. He's trying to go to Junior Worlds, still a junior, but he'll give uh, Keiko and a lot of these guys a run for their money as a 93, totaling over 1,900. And has contention to be, you know, at least on the podium, if not a national champion. And he doesn't have a freaking invite or a spot. And then I have Cayman Battle, who right now is is ranked number four all time, all time in IPF, every IPF uh, affiliate, USAPL, number four all time. And uh, get this, right? So he did qualify to get those first round invites, right? Mm-hmm. He, did, he looked at his email, didn't see it. I remind him a couple of days later, I'm like, yo, Cayman, you got registered, right? And he's like, yo, I, I didn't get an invite. I'm like, well, you should have. You're in the qualification people who should get an invite. And uh, he emails someone and they're like, check your spam folder. He checks his spam folder and it's in his spam. Mm. And now it's too late for him to register. Wow. Now they tell him he has to wait till March 1st. He's one of the best 105s to ever walk the, the, the earth never competed in nationals guaranteed at least podium spot. Of course we have Ashton who's a freak. So the chances of him beating Ashton aren't great, but I'm come I'm, I'm gunning for a silver medal for him at nationals, you know, and because it was in his spam folder and he didn't check it in time, he doesn't get a spot. It's absurd. So, Lord knows that this system, everyone is pissed off with it and everyone is sick of it. And the USAPL and their IPF and all their BS and that just definitely gives a lot of opportunity for some of us other guys. You know, yeah. Garrett is very affiliated with the USPA. I'm very affiliated with the WRPF. And the WRPF is also wanting to get into some drug-tested meats and stuff like that. Even Cayman has told me, he's like, man, you know, I'm sick of this. I go to these local meets and, you know, I win best best lifter and I get a little trophy like this. When with, you know, with his total, he could be winning, you know, good money at these meets. Yeah. So I think more and more, you know, even these tested lifters 
Uh, even a good friend of mine, Sean Noriega, we were talking the other day, and he thinks that he's going to branch out and do some of these money meets this year because he's he's sick of the BS. And I see that the direction that where it's kind of going, and a lot of these guys, these these tested guys, can compete against these untested guys. And I think it would be pretty cool to see them all going head to head. Yeah. No, I think so too. And even like when I was in college, of course, most college teams are competing USAPL. They're going to do collegiate nationals. And so my senior year last year was the the first year we were taking the full team uh, to nationals. And so I was like, okay, cool. This is my one and only shot to compete at collegiate nationals before my total has to be 500 pounds heavier for me to go to raw Nats. And we're right. prepping for it and COVID hits two weeks before nationals was going to happen. Now, a normal person or, or meet director would say, oh man, like this is completely out of everyone's control. These are college students for God's sake. Let's refund them. We'll reschedule it. We'll redo it. Not the USAPL. And you know, you've got these 18, 19, 20 year olds who ha- are probably never going to compete at a national or international competition again, which is why collegiate nationals exist in the first place who are now like, wow, like I just paid 300 something dollars for hotels, flights, everything. And nothing's coming back. Uh, and it was just, it was this long drawn out process where it's like, at what point can some people step up and run some drug tested stuff that isn't just robbing people blind and creating this paywall for powerlifting? That's already an expensive sport for people to be a part of in the first place. Yeah, I think a lot of it is generational. And, uh, and you know, a lot of the, the USAPL and IPF, they're obviously much older individuals. And, um, you know, a lot of them are business driven because at the end of the day, USAPL is a business. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's just the, the, there's just a mental disconnect, you know, and it's just a, a mental disconnect from the young to the old and things getting lost in between. And, you know, them not it just meant mentality. And I think that the only way it's going to change is if the, us young guys, we start taking over and we start doing things differently. And uh, I think that's the next step. Yeah, I mean, I think it's up to us young guys to come in and we start taking over and, you know, we start running things, you know, for the lifters and the way that we want to see things. Like that's ultimately like when I started doing the showdown, that was my thing. I was like, I'm doing powerlifting and I'm doing meets the way that I would like to be at a meet, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, when I was in Virginia, at least – uh, and of course, still college, all USAPL, even that lifter, Sabre, it was the same thing. He was like, how can I target a meet to make it enjoyable, not only for the lifter, but for coaches and for spectators? I mean, let's be honest, like powerlifting meets are like six hour events. Like if I invite, I never invite someone to a meet because I'm like, I'm going to be on that platform for nine minutes of the next six hours. But they don't want to watch the other random guys. And so well, his method was we're going to do smoke and strobe lights and everything. It made a nightmare as a lifter to compete because I'm like blinded. But <laughs> but the same idea of like what can we do to make this accessible and fun and enjoyable, you know, in, in the same way that people can enjoy uh, going to, as much as I hate it, CrossFit competitions. They're more entertaining to watch because there's more yeah. going on than yeah. just somebody benching something off their chest and then getting upset when they get two red lights, you know? <laughs> I agree. So, you know, you kind of mentioned you've got, you know, you've got Cayman coming up. You've got all these other athletes who are all doing really, really well. But I'm sure over your time as a coach, you have seen plenty of athletes make mistakes over uh, exert themselves, question you as a coach. You've seen probably everything in the book that could have gone wrong. And so 
I kind of put it in as a topic of like weight cuts, overtraining other mistakes. Along those lines, what are some of these basic mistakes that you're seeing, especially these young guys, that if they were to know a little bit more about would probably boost them further up in their career? So as far as how much of that I've seen, I'm very lucky and I'm fortunate that for the most part, my athletes, from the relationship that I pretty much force on them, they, you know, because I'm in constant communication with them. I'm all about building a relationship, building communication, building trust in each other. And uh, something that I think differentiates me a bit. And I feel like the majority of my athletes, it's like they don't do those things because I, the way that I carry myself and what I offer to them, it's, you know, I, I demand respect. And the same way I give them respect, they give it back to me, you mm-hmm. know? And that's something that I'm very fortunate about. Um, but don't get me wrong, you know, every so often there's been that, that that athlete who just, you know, fucks off and does whatever they want. And uh, then they don't really last long, you know, like those are the people that aren't going to be around long, whether it's on my team or in the sport in general. You know, a lot of my athletes, they come to me and, you know, even if they're not trying to be, you know, uh, on the podium at nationals, they want to take their training seriously. They want to take this piece of their life very seriously. So they're going to do everything that they have to. Um you know, I, uh, as far as overtraining, I think that that comes down to, you know, proper adequate coaching and being able to see that well before it's getting to that point, you know? Um, and then when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're, you're, you're experiencing those states of large amounts of fatigue, that's where it's like, there's other factors that I can't always fully monitor, but as a coach, I try to monitor and make sure, you know, their sleep, their stress, you know, their diet is everything is up to par. Like for example, me. All three of those things are non-existent in my life, hence why right. my training is practically non-existent. I'm hardly eating due to stress levels, and you know I, I'm uh, I'm hardly sleeping because I'm awake at night frigging out, and I'm stressed twenty four seven. So I know my training is going to be way less than ideal right now, right. and I have those expectations, and I'm okay with that right now. You know. Yeah, you know it's <laughs> it's funny you say that, you know, because I think. Of course, this year has been stressful for everybody. But I mean, if you're if you're launching new companies, and especially as you said, you're coming from a place of complete financial stability. I mean, a very pre-organized, everything set up. Like you know what you got. I mean, you really you rolled the dice, and you're like, man, like I really fucking hope this pays off. And it looks like it is, which is great. But it doesn't help the fact that you're still at night. You're like, man, did I just did I fuck up? Like, is this? the right move. Yeah. And, and I'm someone with a decent amount of anxiety. So the same, like I totally can appreciate that. And I think it's, it's even helpful for people to hear that they're like, cause it's so easy to just, you look at somebody on Instagram and you're like, okay, they've got 20,000 something followers. They've got 50,000, whatever. And just like, forget they're human. But that's the thing. Like everybody's fucking human. Like everybody goes to bed every night and wakes up in the morning and asks themselves, man, I have no idea what today's going to look like, but I'm going to make the best of it. And it sounds like that's exactly the spot you're in right now. And I think there's something special about that. There's something wonderful about that. It's like a yeah, new beginning. The, the best thing that you can do, 100%, but the best thing you can do is just, is just be proactive. When I feel myself like getting mentally into those spots and like pulling myself into that, I'm like, no, let me take a step forward. Let me let me put something into into play. Let me put something into action that's gonna you know get me more towards my goals. You know, and uh, so it's like more and more. I've been sleeping much better at night. I'm getting my appetite back. Honestly, over like the last couple of days, the last week, 
as things are, you know, I, I was able, cause I, I had that after I made that decision, I was sitting with, you know, my decision and I knew that I had quit, but I hadn't told the world yet because, you know, I wanted to get some things ready to release. And, uh, and then of course, you know, I'd already made the decision. There's no going back. And I'm like, crap, what if the world's not receptive to these things that I'm going to do? And just seeing over this last week, since I made it official on, you know, Monday, this is, I made it Instagram official, right? Um, and now we're on Saturday, just seeing the overwhelming response of support, excitement from people, people wanting to join the team, uh, excited for just, and just knowing also that I only announced two small things yep. of some huge, huge things that I have in the works, you know? So it's, 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 it's exciting. Now it's like, I feel like the fear is more and more, uh, behind me cause things are more and more real and it's just, it's, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. Yeah. So well, the first thing I want to jump into is, is the team. We got the shirt on right now. You got the logo. I know it started out as Usler's Angels. You're moving into Team Usler. What if people are hoping to get involved? If people are hoping to join the team, what are kind of the specs you're looking for? Who are you looking for? Who are you kindly not looking for and are pushing to other coaches? What can people expect? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I've been I've been coaching and writing individual individual programs for people for about about seven years now mm-hmm. um i'd say since around 2014 2015 you know i've been working in a gym since 2012 when i started interning and the gym that i worked at was a crossfit gym and we had a lot of remote crossfit athletes because we had a very big competitive crossfit program uh that people would follow and again this was before powerlifting had blown up this was crossfit was the was all the rage you know mm-hmm. and crossfit made that segue for powerlifting you know same for olympic weightlifting so we had a lot of you know people interested in our competitive crossfit program you know we had taken a team to the games in like 2015 or something like that and i was at the crossfit games i was able to coach an assistant coach at the crossfit games which was amazing experience and at that time i had coached a lot of crossfit athletes um, in individual programming, literally helping them improve their gymnastics, their conditioning. Like CrossFit is the hardest thing to program for. Right. You have to be good at everything, right. you know? So I started by doing the hardest customized <laughs> programming you can do because you can't fucking template that. Right. You can't, like the coaches who are saying it's personalized, but they're really just giving you the same thing everyone else is doing. You can't do that. Because one athlete might be able to do 20 muscle ups. This one is still learning how to do a muscle up. This athlete needs to work on handstand push ups. This person, it's it's complex. Right. So I feel like that background is what made me extremely attentive to how I program and making my programming extremely individualized. Mm-hmm. Around 2015, I started doing getting more and more into powerlifting, and I had grew a powerlifting club at the facility that I worked at. Because I was over CrossFit personally, and I had gotten to powerlifting around 2014, was following Brandon Lilly's The Cube Method and stuff like that. Started having my team follow The Cube Method, and that's when I'm like, I need to start writing my own programming. So I start reading books more on on powerlifting programming besides just formal CrossFit programming, which is what I've been doing for so long. And, you know, started getting out of that norm of CrossFit and getting more into the strength world. And uh, it was a natural evolution from there. When I started working for hybrid, I started having my coaching taking a little bit of a back seat, right? My, I was stretched in a lot of other directions with other things that I was doing. And uh, I, I, less, I more and more got involved with the business side of uh, the fitness industry and less and less with the coaching side. I still always had some of my athletes and some of my team, um, but I always kept it uh, a, a little more minimal. And there was even for a while there that, you know, the majority of people – 
I, I was never, there was never a time that I was taking on athletes. I would, it was a selection process. Yeah. And for a while there, I was really only taking on like experienced athletes and, you know, more higher level athletes because there's less developmental phase and it, it's, 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 they're easier to coach and more receptive because they're already athletes. Um, so now ultimately over the last year or so, I, I expanded my horizons outside of that was taking on people mainly through word of mouth, like friends of my athletes, people who I knew would be a good fit for the team, people who knew me because of hybrid and had followed hybrids programming for years. They followed hybrid powerlifting. I wrote a bunch of hybrid powerlifting. I know their athletic history. Let's take things to the next level. You know, so a lot of my clients were just like ex hybrid clients or people who, you know, did powerlifting, hybrid powerlifting, loved it, want to take it to the next level. So ultimately, where are we now? I am, I'm taking it back to my roots. I'm, I'm opening up to everyone. I'm excited to, you know, develop athletes from the ground up. Over the last week, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and a lot of people express interest. And, you know, ultimately, anyone's welcome to be a part of the team, whether their goals are just general strength and conditioning whether it's competing in a high level of powerlifting, whether it's competing in Olympic weightlifting. I've coached tons of people through Olympic weightlifting as well. So uh, really anyone can be part of the team. Yeah, and that's exciting too because I know I – mean, we even talked a little bit, I remember a couple of years ago because I had first reached out. I was like, man, like, what does your coaching look like? And you were always, hey, I want to be as locked in on what's happening at any given moment as possible. You know, of your goal of creating relationship. And I think – that's something that makes you unique as well, because I mean, let's be honest, coaches are a dime a dozen, you know, or I say coaches inverted quotation marks. Coaches are a dime a dozen in that anyone can sit down on a Google sheet and write out, Hey, here is a five, three, one, you know, here is a linear progression, sure. but not everyone can actually be in tune with, with what's happening with an athlete, you know? And I think that's why athletes 100%. can jump one place to another every six months because their coach isn't with them. And so I think it's huge that you're trying to do that as well. And not even trying successfully doing that of creating relationship, because most of the guys that I know are on your team have been with you for a very, very long time. And I think that speaks as well, just even as you're marketing that, as people are listening to this, that you're, you're doing something that works. And I think that's helpful because there are a lot of people who are doing things that may work in the short term or make them a quick buck. But in the long run, people realize it's really a waste of their time. Uh, agreed 100%. And that's what, you know, that's the dividing line of people who are in this for the long haul and have a true career and, you know, know how to act as a professional, how to act as a friend versus people, like you said, that are just trying to make a quick buck. And, you know, there's a lot of suckers out there and it's easy to do that. You know, I say it all the time, you know, like any numbers in a spreadsheet can can get a lot of people stronger, right? And as you get more and more advanced, it's, those numbers in the spreadsheet are harder. And, you know, some coaches can manipulate that better. But I feel like a huge piece that's missing is the relationship and the mental side of coaching. You know, if you have a coach that they might still, you know, they might be able to see all your videos. They know exactly where your technical flaws are. They're writing all the accessories to your weak points and everything, but you're literally just talking to them once a week in your weekly email check-in, you know, and they're writing kick-ass numbers for you, but they're not helping you get through the struggles in your life and what's going on in your life right now that may be affecting your training in other ways that you get fixing your squat techniques, not going to, not going to help get you to the next level, you know? So yeah, man, I, I love that. I'm, I'm able to do that. It's, it's something I'm very passionate about. And like I said, it goes back to from the day that I decided I wanted to be a coach 
It's because I wanted to help people. Yeah. It helped me completely change my mind. It helped me get my mind out of the gutter and go from being a, a drug addict piece of crap to, you know, a person who is now helping people better their lives and get themselves in a better mental place, you know, because just getting them stronger isn't the, isn't all that's helping them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's huge because once again, it, it's that idea of creating 3d personalities and removing people from just numbers or prices or transactions or even just interactions. Like I think of as much as I love the Arnold sports festival and I'm super pumped for this year, even though it's happening, you know, later in the year that there, there are all these brief interactions, right? Like you never really get to know the person. And I feel like a lot of coaching can be like that. There are these brief interactions. Hey, best of luck. Here's your meet numbers. Enjoy pay me an extra bit of money. I'll fly out to help you at your meet. Like it's this, it's just this impersonal relationship. And so it's almost like, I like to think that coaches are counselors just as much as they're coaches. Because in that regard, 100%. I mean, mental health is just such a huge element of why so many people are in powerlifting in the first place. Like I, I think of, you know, my time in high school and I, I chatted about this a little bit with Travis Rogers. Like when I was senior year of high school, I was still, I don't know, 175 pounds. I was a skinny little kid. I keep getting the stupid like Facebook, like four or five years ago, reminders that like remind me what I looked like when I was 17 and thought I was hot shit. It was a nightmare. But I remember sitting, you know, in a, in a squat rack, I've got 225 on the bar and I was like going to be a big front squat PR in my head. I'm like, holy shit. Like this is a lot of weight. And I, I was like remembering why I had first started lifting in the first place. You know, I was upset. I lived overseas. My parents were uh, Christian missionaries in Ireland. And I was pissed at them about the fact that I had to grow up in Europe and, you know, got all the teen angst and depression, all that. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, like I never thought I'd lift this kind of weight. And now five years later, I sit looking at the same bar with 500 pounds on it. And I'm like, holy smokes, five years ago, I thought this was great. And it's the same thing of like five years later, if I'm looking at a bar with 700 pounds in the bar and being like, wow, you know, just that progress of the kid who's upset or the kid who's a drug addict or the kid who's being abused at home to moving on and looking at a national international platform or hosting an apparel company, all these amazing things that I think having a coach, having a mentor, somebody that's guiding them along the way, dude, I mean, I think it's the best role in the industry you could possibly have. And I think it all just comes back we're helping people. We want to make the industry a better place because yep. we know where we've been. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think what's very helpful and a big disconnect is like what I say all the time is like before, you know, even I was doing online coaching in the capacity that I am. And, uh, I worked in the gym and I worked, I did group classes and I did hours and hours of personal training as well every day. And when you're personal training someone, there's no, not, hearing people's problems right. and helping them with their everyday life because you know average joe comes in after he worked his his nine hour day sitting in an office dealing with judy judy bloom and uh he's got a lot of frustrations and he wants to work out because it's gonna it's gonna be his release from his everyday but he also wants to talk about those things and figure out you know how to make them better or have just someone to talk through those things with and that's where you know personal training there there's no getting away and escaping from that or else that person's not going to keep coming back to you. Yeah. And, uh, cause they want that relationship too. If you're spending hours with someone and you're paying them to spend these hours with them every week, they need to feel connected to you. Yeah. So I feel like that background for me of doing that for years and years 
you know, it, it's what I wanted to bring to online coaching, where I feel like a lot of online coaches, because how it's developed, they didn't have that in the past. They never did that. So I feel like that's where that big disconnect is, you know? Yeah. Well, the second, uh, you know, tidbit you've given everyone is cold mind apparel. I know you've been the the kind of the head designer in the background of a lot of hybrids designs. And, you know, I store, I think my biggest regret, the design I never got was that Halloween design that came out. That was just gnarly. I don't even remember what, what band it was uh, originated from, but I just remember the skulls. And, oh my God, it was sick. And the, as the skull with the horns. Yeah. 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 What, what, what size shirt do you wear? I'm a double X. Uh, I, I think I have two or three of that design. Cause that was one of my favorites ever, but I'm pretty sure it's XL. I'll check for you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah that, that was an obituary. That was an obituary. obituary. That's what it was. Obituary. Yep. Yes. That's exactly yeah. what it was. And I was, I was still at Liberty. So obviously I'm at like a Christian school and I'm like, man, like, can I pull off wearing this in the gym or like, am I going to get excommunicated for having this on my shirt? I think that's what it stopped me from getting it. But you know, I, and, and this is even just a sidebar uh, as we kind of start talking about cold mind, you know, I still remember, I think it was my sophomore year and you guys dropped the uh, Metallica design and I had ordered, uh, you know, a double X or whatever. And something had happened with the order in which there were, there were no double X's left. And you said, man, I accidentally got myself a double X of this certain color. And you're like, actually, like something got messed up. Let me ship you my shirt. And I think that was the moment which I was like, man, Alex actually gives a fuck. Like you, you actually wanted to build something. And then like it came in and I was like, I'm the only person in the world, one, with this color wave of this shirt. But two, the fact that you also gave me your own, like, I think that speaks even more to what you're doing, that there's thought behind it. It's not, you're not doing it for a paycheck. You're not doing it just so you can make your name bigger. Sure. Those are cool benefits on the side, but ultimately because you want to see people better themselves because just as we've been talking from like where you come from. And I think that's huge. And so as you launch into cold mind, what is the kind of, what's the rationale? What's the hope? What's the vision for that? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, at the end of the day, hybrid, hybrid, it's business also, right? And but I'm such a creative person. I love all forms of art. I love all forms of music. You know, I can see the art in 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 everything. You know, because my background is playing music. I'm covered in freaking tattoos. You know, like I just scream artistic. Yeah, and. Uh, I was able to express myself in so many ways over the the two two years that hybrid uh, legacy hybrid apparel that you know since we launched it and getting to see all those different styles of art even if it was things that I wasn't fully passionate about because it wasn't something that I wanted to wear every day yeah. but I knew how excited it would make people and how it would speak to people and finding these different forms of art that just make people feel a fire inside you know and seeing the the reception and the response to it and having the reach that hybrid had that it was able to reach so many people and seeing it turn into the monster that it turned into I'm like wow you know like a lot of, I, I did so much of this. This is so freaking awesome, you know? And, um, the next step was obviously like, man, I want to do this again, you know? And, and, but, 
but it be fully me that I don't need to have someone else say, you know, if I'm super stoked on a design and, you know, someone else involved in the team doesn't like it, you know, that I have to hear their no and I'm super bummed, you know, and that I can just have that. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like when you're a natural born entrepreneur, it's like I have to have full control. I have to be the leader, you know, and that was the natural next step in my life. So then it's me figuring out my brand, right? And what direction do I want to go? Because I don't want to just create another hybrid apparel and do the same thing all over again and seem like I'm just copying that model, but for myself now. I wanted to do something that I was truly passionate about and something that was so different than everything that's out there, you know? And that is just dark art, death metal art, very underground stuff that the everyday person isn't exposed to unless you grew up in the extreme metal in the extreme music scene and you're just familiar with that world you know and like if you look at my tattoos that's literally what all my tattoos are they're all dark gothic art you know and that's been my passion for ages you know i have uh, angels and demons i'm completely i'm an atheist i have angels and demons tattooed all over my body you know like just stuff like that I was always so passionate about. And I'm like, you know, this makes sense for this to be my brand and my full expression of me. And if people like it goes back that then now here's my punk rock mentality where it's like hybrid. I wanted to speak to everyone with my brand, with what I'm doing with it. It's very different and it's not going to be for everyone. And I'm okay with that because I want to just express me for me. And if you love it, hell yeah. If it's not for you, all good. There's a bunch of other brands out there, you know? Yeah. And that's huge. Like, oh man, like I wish more people had that mindset because too many people want to market to everyone. And there's, of course, there's stuff like that. I mean, I'm wearing eight man, even eight man in and of itself, even though it's a big brand, I'm still like one of, I don't know, obviously I'm out in Utah. So powerlifting's weird out here anyway, but there's only two or three people that would be wearing eight man out here. They kind of look in, they're like, Oh, there's the grungy kid who's over there being like, Oh, I fucking hate myself. But like, we're going to persevere with the eight man stuff. It's not for everyone. Right. And I think it's important for brands to recognize that be like, well, sure. I could make something for everybody, but like, I don't know. The grungy death metal people kind of don't have their brand yet. And you're seizing a whole part of the market. That's probably going to be super fucking hype about it. And already has, demonstrated they are so my follow-up question for you and you may not have an answer for this is can anyone know any of the other designs that are coming out or is it still a secret that people are going to need to wait for next design is getting dropped on monday okay all right people you need to be listening up monday is going to be a big one that's awesome so we've got an apparel brand We've got a coaching brand. We've got yourself. Are you staying in Miami? Are we switching locations for you personally? What is it kind of looking like moving forward? Are you looking to be a little bit more mobile, a little more static? Have you even thought that far ahead? Where are you at? I know. So, I mean, I, I love Miami. Miami's my home. Me and my wife have gone back and forth, but honestly, Florida is where I'm staying. South Florida is where I'm staying. You know, in the next five years or so, maybe I'd move just like 30, 40 minutes north to like Broward County because the school systems are a little bit better. But ultimately, I'm born and raised in Florida. My entire life I've been in Florida. I'm not going anywhere. The next stage in my life right now, while doing all these businesses and such, me and my wife are trying to currently have a kid. 
Um, we're going through all that, working with a fertility doctor and stuff, you know, um, and that's been another source of stress, different, like, you know, hormonal issues on her end and just like adult problems, you know, like yeah. for some people they get pregnant super easy for us. It's been a little bit of a struggle, but it's looking like things are, are, are looking pretty good. So, you know, we want, we want to have a kid soon, start our family. And ultimately, again, this decision was also driven because I knew it would be the best thing for my future and for my family, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's even more exciting. Yeah. I heard you say school district and I was like, man, this guy just let it slip that there's a kid on the way. And then you went right for it. So that's super exciting. So I know we're all, uh, hopeful and looking forward to the development of the family for sure. Um, well, you know, kind of on the back end, uh, of every podcast, um, that, that I've been doing have been these two questions. The, everybody I have on, obviously we can talk about fitness for hours, for days. I mean, it's what we do full time. Um, but this faith question and then this breakfast question. So the first thing, and I know we've, we've had a little bit of back and forth kind of chatting about it before, as you said, you know, you're an atheist, you're kind of don't pray for me, you know, phrase has always kind of been your, your, your catchphrase. But my favorite question, um, over the last few seasons, uh, has been hearing people of every single walk of possible spirituality, lack thereof or whatever is what role, if any, has your own personal faith or ideology, spirituality, anything along those lines played in just how you look at training or your relationships with your clients. And I wonder, especially for you, since you're like, man, no, like I don't want that religion bullshit. What does it look like for you relationally? And what, how has that influenced you just in a positive way as you've been looking to better the community? Definitely. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not anti it. I think that it's very appropriate uh, without going too much down a tangent, a religion, ta- a religious tangent, um, you know, I think that it's it's very applicable and it's very very important for a lot of people, you know. But this goes back to again. Remember, I'm big on the mind, right? Yeah. Mind's a very powerful thing. The mind is your worst enemy. The mind creates your happiness. The mind creates your future. And to me. Uh, whether it's religion, whether it's spirituality, uh, whether it's being a Christian, whatever it is, is it's your state of mind, right? Uh, and people need something in their mind to have hope, to look forward to, to have someone to answer to, um, you know, to speak to when someone that prays or speaks to God. And ultimately, you know, it, it's it's important for a lot of people. I've figured out how to create my happiness, create my destiny, create my future with my embrace of my own mind, Mm. you know? So again, it goes back to spirituality, religion, all of it to me is a state of mind. And I've created my own state of mind where I've created, you know, my happiness and learned how to get myself out of dark places without needing to, you know, uh, ask someone else. I, I bring it upon myself, which essentially is a lot of the time what, in my opinion, people are doing when they're praying. Um, those are just my, those are kind of my, uh, outlooks on that. And I feel like it's hand in hand, you know, it just, it's instead it's me attacking those things myself, thinking that I'm alone in these things because it works better for me because it's more realistic for me, you know, for other people, the thought of having a team, the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, like I grew up in the church. I know all of it, you know, mm-hmm. and they have that outlet to help bring them out of those places when it's them 
really talking through and communicating things with themselves. So I think it's, it's hand in hand. All of it is your mind. All of it is your state of mind and how you allow your thoughts to control you and where you allow them to go. And that goes hand in hand with the gym, you know, because if your mind's not in a good place, body's not going to be in a good place. You're not going to be in a good place in the gym, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. A hundred percent. Like I, you know, I told someone the other day uh, I went in, you know, I started this full time job a few weeks ago, you know, working as a, as a teacher up in elementary school. And I work with kids who have severe special needs. Uh, and so I can come back at the end of the week. Like I have no idea. Like when I show up on a Monday morning, I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in the next like eight hours. We never do. And so I can get to the end of the day and all day I'm like thinking in my head because this is just, I'm such a mental, I'm a very aggressive lifter that I'm like, man, like I have this set I need to do tonight. Like whatever happens here, like I, I have to get through this and I can get to the end of the day now. And I'm like, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Like I'm going to come back. And I'm probably going to cry and then I'm going to go to sleep and I'll train tomorrow. You know, like it's just, it's a completely different dynamic. And it is, it's that mental side that I think we've just been hammering at people here in the last 45 minutes or so of just, if you're, if you mentally aren't in a healthy place and not even a healthy place, like if you aren't even in a secure place mentally, you can't do anything else. Like I, I know when I'm in a place of anxiety, or, or depression or anything else, you can't focus on anything like else outside of that. Because if you can't lock in what's going on here, how can you expect to one, take care of a significant other or kids or roommates or whatever. And so I think as we're hammering, you got to take care of the mental health and you got to have people in your corner in person who are also helping you take care of your mental health. And it sounds like that's something yeah. that you're really passionate about as well. And that, that's where I see a big issue with uh, formal organized religion or spirituality where it's like I experienced it in my entire life seeing it in my family and, you know, seeing where if people put all their – put it, all their problems in the hands of someone else, right, whether it's God. And they're like, God, I'm trusting that you're going to make things better, but they're not being proactive to make it better themselves, when they control their actions, you know, you can't expect someone else to do it for you, whether he exists, whether he doesn't be proactive for yourself and talk to people and figure out how to make things better by communicating with people who have experienced things similar to you. Don't just put it up in the clouds and hope that those problems are just going to disappear. Be proactive, attack things yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. And we see it in, as, as lifters, like even outside of the religion side of things. I mean, you've got the lifter who will make a thousand excuses for why they didn't perform well to meet or why their training isn't going well, instead of just taking accountability for their own actions and being like, well, I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating. I'm not doing anything else. Like you even said at the beginning, like all the rest of my life is chaos right now. My training's not going good. And that's taking accountability. There's plenty right. of people that'll be like, Oh, I didn't sleep great, but if I had, I would have lifted better. And I was like, well, yeah, I'd love to play this yeah. game of woulda, coulda, shoulda, but you can't. And, and I think that's what differentiates someone from like Dan Bell from some random 74 kg lifter out of Pennsylvania who's upset when they're, they didn't stay in the pocket with their RPE 7 lift. Dan's out here totaling the highest that anyone ever has and somebody isn't. 
Dude, and let's just speak on that real quick. Yeah. Dan Bell is a fucking G, dude. Because yeah. if you if, if anyone here listening has seen Dan Bell in a meet where he's competing, the day before, he was on day two of the showdown. The day before the meet, he was there from 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. Mm. Handling all of his teammates in the back room. We didn't have enough spotters on day one. He was there spotting his own teammates on the platform. Go look at videos from day one. You'll see freaking Dan Bell there on the platform the day, less than 24 hours before he broke all-time world records. I literally seem like, bro, you're a maniac, man. You're a maniac. He's like, oh, I better be here to help my team than being anxious in the hotel room. And I'm like, you know, and then all these lifters will, you know, complain if they did. Oh, I didn't uh, drink enough of my three ounces of water when after I weighed in. <laughs> well, he weighed in and was just there at the event the entire day. Dude, that to me, he is he is a, a next level. That was so crazy to me, just seeing him all day loading weights, spotting, and then to go break those records the next day. So yeah. side tangent, but that was just sick. Yeah, sick. And, and and I mean, it speaks one to his character. And two, just his desire once again to better the community. Like you can sit there and be like, yes, powerlifting is an individual sport in that when you're on a platform, the only person that's going to squat it, bench it, deadlift it is going to be you. But at the end of the day, like it really isn't solo. I mean, the community in a powerlifting gym or in a private gym is incredible that you're just like not going to get at a Gold's or a Vasa or I mean, God forbid if someone's training in a planet fitness, like you're just, you're not going to get it there. You know, that you're going to get in a private facility in which it doesn't matter if they know you or not, they're going to come up and be engaged unless they're a dick, which I mean, fair enough, but that you can be the type of lifter that knows they're at the top of the game, but nonetheless remembers that at one point they started with the bar. And I think that's something that everyone forgets is we all started with the bar or we all started with being like, man, like I have no idea how to do these three lifts, but one day I hope I'll be able to like Dan Bell when he started probably was not thinking, man, I'm going to total 2606, you know, in, in the next 10, 20 years, there's no way, but he's finished it. He's going to rest up. He's going to start training again and he's going to keep going. And I think that's incredible. And I think that's something really, really remarkable about the sport. Yeah, man, it's nuts. It's nuts. It's cool. It is crazy. But, well, uh, one of the uh, absolute fan favorite questions is this breakfast question. I'm an absolute breakfast nut. Uh, When we were texting a couple hours ago, I I was making my dinner. It was still going to be bacon and eggs because there's nothing I love more than just breakfast. Uh, And so one of the, uh, the fan favorite questions is what breakfast food reigns supreme for you above all else? Regardless, I know you're not the type of person to count macros, so we'll throw all that out the window. But if you're like, holy shit, I need some breakfast, what are you going for? A lot of the time, me and my wife's go-to on Saturdays or Sunday, we'll order in breakfast. And I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite, but it's something that most people aren't going to be familiar with. It's some tra- it's traditional Cuban pastries, okay? So probably any, anyone listening, if you're not in Miami, you're going to have to search really hard to find a local Cuban bakery in your in your town and if you do it might not be that good in miami every single block we have a cuban bakery people the the cubans swim here from cuba you know what i mean like we're that close to cuba and uh some some cuban uh pastries are there's a croqueta Mm -hmm. which uh it's like a fried ham stick 
of just pure deliciousness, right? And then, uh, and then uh, they have pastelitos, all right? Their pastelitos can be stuffed with different things. They're these sweet, crispy, fried with sugar on the outside. Some of them stuffed with cream cheese. Some of them stuffed with guava, stuffed with guava and cream cheese. And uh, a lot of the time our go-to, we'll, we'll order those. We'll order a bunch of pastries to have in the morning. And then I'll get like a, like a croissant sandwich or something with it. Um, but that, so that, that's probably a pretty unique answer. You haven't gotten that one before. Those are some of my favorite breakfast things. But then at the end of the day, nothing, nothing beats uh, steak, eggs, and French toast. If I'm, if I'm like after a meet, I'm not going to go find my local croqueta. Or before, after weigh-ins, I'm not going to go get croquetas and, and eat that You know, after I weighed in. I'm going to go to a diner and I'm going to have steak, eggs, and French toast. Yep. So two answers for you. Two answers, both very solid answers. And it reminded me, uh, this will be our sponsored segment here for a second. I completely forgot to thank our sponsors. Uh, and Croqueta reminded me because one of our sponsors is, of course, Rob Zela's Croqueta Strength. So if you guys want to head over there, take 10% off or some amount of money that for following the podcast, go do that, as well as Skull Smash Ammonia and Raw Grip Chalk. I'm sure there's a code with my name on it. If you go to the link in my bio, save money on all those. But... The big kind of, I guess, final question I have for you uh, is, is this idea of legacy. Uh, and I think it's one of my um, thoughts that's at the back of my head. I think every night before I go to bed is what did I do today to push forward in the legacy I want to leave? Um, and, and I think it's one of the most important things for anyone to be thinking about is when I'm 70, 80, 90, however old we are when we all die. Actually, we're all powerlifters, so it'll probably be 40, but whatever. When we're at the end of our lives, what are we going to look back on and be proud of? And I know you, you've you built something incredible. You're building something completely new. But when you look ahead to the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, what's the legacy you're hoping to leave behind, not only on the powerlifting industry, but just in your own personal life, which I know is a super, super deep question to finish with, but I'm super pumped to hear your thoughts. No, yeah, absolutely. I think that being able to see all the people who I've helped and impacted their lives, even when it's not in an individualized basis, whether they're working with me and it's, it's also transactional, but just what I'm able, what I'm able to bring to the world and people with the voice that I was able to, you know, gain over the last years and showing my vulnerability, showing, you know, that even people like me are only human and being able to relate and help bring people out of dark places and knowing that I was able to better people's lives and get them out of hard positions and make people see that they're not alone, um, I think is, uh, I think that's, it's, it's invaluable, you know, that people will able to be, they'll be able to look back, you know, 20, 30 years from now and be like, wow, he helped me out of that very dark place I was, or just that Instagram post that he made where he talked about his sobriety and where he was and where he is now. That is the thing that motivated me to do the X, Y, Z. Cause those messages I've gotten, I've gotten a lot of messages like that of people, you know, over the years who have followed me and seeing me talk about my sobriety and seeing me talk about my mental health. And they're like, dude, I'm, uh, I'm nine months sober now. And it was all because what you posted and what I heard on your podcast that you spoke on, where you spoke about your story. And people, I'm, you know, I'm two years sober now and it's because I've been following you for three years and I saw how you got your shit together and, uh, everything down from people who were prominent in my life years, years back. And they see me now and they're like, Whoa, dude, what the heck? 
you were that dude at punk rock shows that was 170 pounds and fighting everyone and fucking shit up. And, you know, look at you now. And so I think just my legacy, it, it will, it will be out there and it's, I'm, I'm very pleased with what it is, you know, and I'm pleased with the direction of life. So. Yeah. Man, that's a good answer. And, you know, I, I always feel like I get to the end of these episodes and I'm like, man, I don't want this to sound like the person, like their story's over, like the story's beginning. And I think that's, what's so exciting. Yeah. Like you haven't even gotten started, dude. You know, like there's so much ahead, you know, for every guest that's ever been on here. And it's just so exciting. Even like, I think, you know, Joe Sullivan being on about, you know, six months ago, him starting a new brand and Garrett starting a new podcast, like of just how much everyone is growing and moving forward is just super, super exciting. And especially to see powerlifting becoming increasingly mainstream is something that I'm just so hype about because I know it saved so many different people's lives and just the thousands and thousands of people's lives it's going to save in the future is just incredible. And I'm super pumped for what you've got to offer for it. And I've got, I'm super pumped for whatever small piece I get to offer for it because there's a big story developing here and I'm super hype about it. Well, folks, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tease, I'm going to tease one more little thing. Do it. Cause tease I'm going to call you out. And I, I love this podcast. I love the structure that what you've done. I love this software you're using. And this is something that I haven't announced publicly, but it's in my plans for the next two, three months. I want to, I'm going to be starting a podcast and uh, I'm going to come to you. We're going to have a phone call and you're going to help me out through it a little bit, if you don't mind. I got you. And uh, I'm very excited to be able to bring that to the world and continue my legacy like that, the same way that you're doing it. Because I think that this is an awesome podcast. You've had a lot of a lot of awesome guests. And uh, yeah, so yeah. be on the lookout. My, my podcast will be a little bit different because it's going to be fitness, but it's also going to have other things in it as well. So Man, that's exciting. Well, you've heard it here first, folks. This has been a great conversation with Alex Usler. Find him on Instagram at Alex Usler, Cold Mind Apparel, Team Usler Training, every other single possible thing. Reach out to him for that. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow us on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, anywhere else that you can find anything to listen to. With that, folks, we'll see you next week with Jessica Bittner. Well, folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Faith Fitness and French Toast featuring myself and Alex Usler, head of Cold Mind Apparel and Team Usler Training. If you haven't already, make sure you check us out on YouTube, Faith Fitness and French Toast by Moses Allwood. Subscribe to that as well if you want to get in on the video content and seeing what I've got cooking up there as we start ramping this bad boy up. Other than that, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys next week. We've got episodes with Larry McEwen, Tony Montgomery, Chris Bridgeford, Jessica Bittner, Kaylee Borges, and so much more. So stay tuned. Big love always.